Greetings ladies and gentlemen. Today I'm happy to say that we continue our tour of the Bible books and we're about to follow in the footsteps of First Kings. So we begin at David's deathbed. He's pretty old and very cold. No clothes can keep him warm. And when he started to decline, they tried to warm him with a concubine. Meanwhile, the loyal but not always faithful General Joab jumps ship and supports the eldest son, stealing the throne from the youngest one. Yet their claim to the crown comes a cropper, and the new publicly proclaimed King Solomon sends them off with some stern and sober words of warning. Sadly, it seems that some people just won't see sense, and as Joab has killed, so he himself is killed. Seeking shelter in the sanctuary, he grabs and grips God's altar, refusing to let go. Stuck and stranded in his own life's choices, the treacherous and treasonable Joab meets his end on the end of a sword. From a death sentence to a life one, and it seems that Solomon's sick of a single life, and ties the knot with Pharaoh's daughter. With changes comes challenges. And God visits a sleepy Solomon with some dream offers of wisdom and wealth. With insight and foresight, the refreshed ruler is awoken with women arguing over a case of a crushed child. Both have convinced him with their claims and Solomon the wise has to work out what is lies. Soon, seeing his expertise all around fall to their knees. In seven years of peace and prosperity, spirited Solomon finally fulfills his father's dream and assembles the temple of God. Alongside this, his royal residence is raised, reflecting all of his splendour and show. And what a show is going on. The king is filled to the brim with wisdom, wealth and strange wives. In a dazzling crescendo, Christ-filled clouds heap into the house of the Lord and God appears again in both promise and warning. From a heavenly king appearing to an earthly queen, and we are told of her famous trip to question Solomon on his scholarship. We find out next that it's not just young people who make mistakes. Wise old Solomon stumbles with feet of clay. His many wives lure his loyalties away. With a crisis of a divided heart, this educated, enlightened and experienced person lost his passion for God and in doing so gained many high places to which he went and worshipped his wife's false idols. From a divided heart to a divided kingdom. Troubles follow and enemies are stirred up. We come across twists and turns, outrage and rebellion. Harsh messages are given and hands shrivel up. The deceived and disobedient die and six sons of six fathers suffer. Thrown in for fun are a series of second-rate kings, wicked and worthless, scandalous and shameful, all until one appears who is worse than all the rest. But God was not at a loss, for he had a prophet in mind. It is here that Elijah speaks bold and brief, and his words stung like a shocking slap in the royal face. Ahab, the guilty king, and Jezebel, the godless queen, have been taken religious liberties. But in life we learn what goes around comes around. Ahab now feared Elijah, as would Elijah soon fear Jezebel. And Jezebel? Well, she feared nobody. It seems a showdown is sure to come. Nailing his colours to God's mast, Elijah becomes a dot in the distance. He's hidden by the winding brook, led to the wasting barrel and used with a widow's boy. 
As God has told the enthusiastic Elijah to hide himself, he now says, show yourself. It's no longer time for smooth sermons and routine religion. The gauntlet is thrown down. Elijah exclaims, God's greater than all the rest. Why don't we put it to the test? With dancing and chanting, the false prophets feel they have all they require. Yet even drawing blood, they fail to start the fire. Elijah acts, suddenly a spectacular sight, when God's altar, earth and boulders caught alight. Sadly, the success is short-lived and God's man becomes dejected when God's sign is rejected. This demoralised and downcast, depressed and discouraged fellow is once asked by God to follow. Following God, Elijah finds peace, but there's no peace for the wicked queen. Some people say they kill for love, but Jezebel, well, she kills for power. Her punishment is delayed for another day, and she barely makes it out of this book alive. On the other hand, Ahab isn't so lucky, and he falls foul to one of his own plots and ends up on the pointy end of an erratic arrow. Ahab's dynasty is dissolved. He made a meal out of everything, and now his blood becomes a dog's dinner. Finally, the saying like father like son brings the book of First Kings to a close. Ahab's son takes the throne, but brings upon himself harm as he ignores wisdom and walks in the way of wickedness. That's all for this time, my friends. The next time we meet like this, well, we should be strolling into the second book of Kings. But until then, First Kings is a beautiful book of ugly things. From turmoil and trouble, loneliness and depression, to evil queens and heathen gods. Yet amongst this wealth of wicked wild grapes are enriching and enhancing life lessons that can elevate both the simple and the wise. Learning to listen to this superb spiritual saga, we find forgiveness waiting for us. Not in any temple or church, but in a real relationship with Jesus the way, Christ the prize. First King calls us today to take comfort and courage and to hope not in ourselves, but in God. In his mercy and compassion, his slowness to anger and his long-suffering love. Yes, First Kings may have seen golden days with a glorious temple, but seeking God wasn't their strong point and in pride and presumption they were slowly captivated and captured. Truly, today, we might be more like the characters in First Kings than we know. Rash and ruthless, guilty and godless, lonely and depressed, disconnected and divided. In the end though, it doesn't matter what our struggles are, as long as we're willing to follow God. Because in following God, we find peace. The only question is, are we willing to follow? The answer? Well, I'll leave that up to you.